How many of you have ever had a close encounter with someone or something? A few weeks back, Michelle and I were in Baton Rouge on Perkins Road, and the sun was setting. And when I say I had my visor down vertical because I could, the sun was so bright, I was driving. If it wouldn't have been for my wife, I would have run a red light and hit somebody. Close encounter. When I was a teenager, I worked for my dad on a survey crew and we were in the woods. Swampland, marsh, woods. I came within about four feet of a rattlesnake. I had never seen a rattlesnake in my life before. And I don't want to see another one. I came within about four feet. That's too close for me. How about you? A couple years ago, Michelle and I and my oldest daughter, Christy, and my son-in-law, Nick, were in Rome, Italy, on a trip, and we had a very close encounter. We were um, we wanted to go from our apartment to a, uh, it's called the Treve Fountain. It's been in movies, um, and it's a wonderful place. It's a great destination to see in the city of Rome, but we had to take the subway train to get to the, uh, the, the fountain. And so we left our apartment and we probably went through about seven or eight stops. So people are getting on the train with us. You, you follow me? When we get to our stop, it's us four and about 15 little old Italian grannies with their little baguette of bread. You got the picture? And we are about ready to exit <clears throat> to get to our destination when the tram doors open. But on the other side is about 40 people wanting to get on the train. Well, us four in the 15 grannies is no match for the 40 or 50 people wanting to get on. And so what happened was the push of people literally pushed us deeper into the train. And we're getting separated. My daughter and son-in-law, they actually slip and get through. And Michelle and I are separated. And for a second there, we, our bodies are coming backwards and there's no way that we're going to make it at our stop and we're going to get separated in a foreign country. How many of you have ever seen the movie Blindside? Do you remember the scene where Michael Orr blocks a young man the whole length of the field and actually blocks him over the stadium fence? Well, that entered my mind. And I went into Michael Orr mode, and I said to myself, little old granny ladies, we're going forward. And so I'm the tallest of our bunch, and I'm like, I'm not going to let these people push us back in. And so I was like, come on, and I was trying to say it in pasta and Italian and whatever else and meatballs. Let's go, Italian grannies. And so I literally, like Michael Orr, I pushed our little 15 people against the 40. And guess who won? We did. Let me tell you, that was a close encounter. And to be separated with hardly any cell service in a foreign country is not fun. For most people, close encounters represent a negative thing, right? A snake, an accident, being separated. But I want to tell you tonight that there's another 
encounter that I want to talk to you about that is totally positive. And that's an encounter with God. Because encountering God brings things to us that snakes can't bring to us, amen? Like peace and joy. And if there's one thing that is our mission here at Family Life, it's to encourage people to get an encounter, a close encounter with God. That's why we do prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. That's why we have midweek service. Do you know a lot of churches don't have midweek service? It's why we have prayer groups. It's why we have life groups. It's why we have next steps. It's so that our church body can move forward and have an encounter with the living God. My goal tonight is simply to create an environment for us to move forward and encounter God like we've never done before. Amen. To do that, I've, I've actually titled tonight's message, Close Encounter of Another Kind. Some of you may remember the, is it Steven Spielberg that had the movie Close Encounter of a Third Kind? Well, this is, this is Close Encounter of Another Kind. It's not about aliens. It's about a living, breathing, miraculous God. And so in order to create the environment, I want to just share with you out the get-go two scriptures that I think it's going to help us to understand of what a close encounter with God looks like. In fact, in Exodus 33:11, it says this, the Lord would speak to Moses, how? Face to face as a man speaks with his friend. You see, for Moses, this was up close and personal. There was no distance whatsoever between him and God. Would you agree? And what happens is, is that for a lot of people, Trying to encounter God or have a face-to-face -face God can be a struggle because they look at God as kind of an Old Testament God. Oh, he's Noah's God. He's Moses. He's Ruth's God. He's not a now God. And so many Christians have trouble trying to encounter, trying to have a face-to-face -face like Moses because they just simply can't relate. See, a lot of people love God, they believe in God, but they just don't know how to take that next step. And Paul knew about this dynamic because he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says, whenever though they, everybody say they, that's you and me, that's the church. Whenever they turn to what? To face God as Moses did, God removes the veil. And let me just stop right there. When we turn and face God, He removes the barriers that we put up. He removes those things. And, and I could spend three days on the barriers that we encounter. But when we have a face-to-face, -face, God takes them away from us so that we can have that dynamic friend-to-friend -friend conversation. And then in verse 17, it says, they, meaning you and I, 
suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. Paul says God's not a, a statue. He's not another cute story in the Bible. He's not some chiseled stone. And then it says, and when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it. That's just a fancy way of saying sometimes we put rules on ourselves that we know we should do, but we we, we struggle with it and we do it just out of, well, let me just check that box. Kind of like reading our Bible, kind of like praying. Sometimes those things are not fun. We know we have to do it and we do it almost out of works. We don't enjoy it. But here's the good news. Look what it says in verse 18. All of us, nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of His face, and so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and brighter and more beautiful as God, what, enters our lives and we become like Him. Let me tell you, the more we, we move toward a face-to-face -face encounter, the more we move to entering um, and, and putting our lives into God's hands, the more freedom we can encounter. Amen? It's when we let go of shame. It's when we let go of feeling the abandonment of maybe a parent. It's when we are able to let go of the fear of failure and fear of man. Whenever we can, we can get, whenever God pulls that barrier and removes the veil of maybe disappointment or maybe heartache or maybe a heartbreak or maybe divorce or maybe grief. Whenever these barriers are moved, it's when God comes through in miraculous ways that we've never seen before. Amen. He enters our lives and he cleans us up and he, he helps us and he, 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 he gets us into a position to be able to encounter him like we've never done before. And so what I want to do tonight real quickly is just give you three things needed to meet God face to face. Number one, we need power instead of words. Amen. Some people face situations that words can't fix. And let me give you a, a great example. There was a missionary who was assigned to southern Mexico. Very mountainous, very hilly. It actually comprised of Mexican Indians. And some of the tribes lived at the base of the mountain, some mid-level, and some at the very top. And this missionary couple was, was uh, assigned to this area, and literally within about a year or so, miraculous things started happening there in this particular part of Mexico. Hundreds of people were getting saved and delivered and healed every week. Hundreds. They would literally walk from the tops of the mountains, miles, just to get to a Sunday service. And many of these services were outdoors. And so they were like, in left field, barely hearing what was going on. 
obviously that caused a stir amongst other missionaries around the world. Some would actually go visit this couple to find out, how are you doing it? What's the trick? And you know what the pastor said? He says, there's no trick. He says, we don't preach to them. He said, we just pray for the sick and let God do the rest. And you want to know what happened while they were there, this group of pastors that went to go visit? There was a young lady, a young teenager, probably about 14 or 15, that lived her life in a crate because she had no bone in one of her legs. No bone in one of her legs. And so anytime they had to bring her, it was always in a crate. And so the pastor said, we just simply prayed that God would deliver and heal her. And while those pastors are there, they saw a miracle because it was medically determined that there was no bone. It wasn't just hearsay. Medically, through x-rays, there was no bone in her leg. And after they prayed, God put a bone in her leg. She got up and started running and leaping. So the pastor says, we don't have to preach to him. We just pray and see the power of God demonstrated right before our very eyes. I'm convinced that we, we really don't need another message from a pulpit. We just need to see the demonstration of God's power to have a good, close encounter. Amen? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Time out. Paul could have gone here because this guy had the degree on top of the degree, on top of a PhD and, and all of that. Bible says that he was very well educated. So he could have gone there and spoke over their heads to where they couldn't understand. But it says this. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith not, may not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. You see, the moment we put our faith in a message like tonight, but the moment we put our faith in expecting to see the demonstration of God's power, it's like Moses. Moses saw the dynamic power of God. I mean, who wants to lead a million people? I can barely lead myself, let alone a million people. Delivered them out of Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea, all the whining and all the complaining. And now we see Israel coming back like never before. Amen. So Moses saw firsthand, Paul saw firsthand the demonstration of God's power. Let me tell you, you are here tonight because of God's power. This church is here. Churches across this world are here because of God's power. All you got to do is read Acts. You see, the New Testament church got birthed because the disciples were obedient because Jesus said, hold on, guys. 
wait until you have been endued with power from on high. And it was in an upper room, 120 people with tongues of fire above their head, speaking in what people thought they were drunk and gibberish, but it was the power of God. And immediately after that, you saw things and we see things in the Bible of people getting healed miraculously. We see uh, 3,000 people getting saved at one time. That's the miraculous power that I'm talking about to be able to, to expect that when we have a close enco- uh, encounter with God. And you can do it at your work. You can do it at your home. You don't have to wait till Wednesday night or even a Sunday to experience the power of God. Amen. The second thing we need is an encounter, not an explanation. You see, as long as I've been in ministry, explanations have never changed somebody's life. But an encounter has, amen? And here's the deal. Well-meaning people will give you their opinion on how to encounter God and how to grow your faith and how to move forward and get close like Moses one-on-one, friend-to-friend, they're well-meaning. But I'm here tonight to tell you that we need more than explanation in somebody's opinion. We need to have an encounter ourselves with the risen Savior. A great example of this is a man in the Bible, the blind man in John chapter uh, 9. The the, uh, the religious leaders, they were some pretty, um, let's just say this, they were pretty bold. And there was a man, a blind man, Jesus made a little thing, put it in his eyes, guy gets healed. And immediately they wanted to know how did it happen, right? And so they're, they're quizzing the parents, they're quizzing uh, this guy. How did it happen? Did he put one hand on you? Did he put both hands on you? Did he push you down? Come on, tell us what happened. It's just us right here. And this is what he said in John chapter 9, verse 25. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know what happened. I don't know. All I know is one thing I know that I was blind, but now I see. That was his encounter. He says, I don't know what just happened. All I can tell you is the power of God came in and I had an encounter. And you see, for you, practically, how does this work in your life about an encounter? You're going to get asked at some point, hey, there's something different about you. you the other, last week, you were cussing up a storm. You used to get very angry, but you're not angry anymore. I hear you, you, you tell your wife you love her. Man, I've never heard that come out of your mouth. What is going on? You know what you say? I don't know. All I can tell you is I had an encounter with God. I can't give you all the specifics. But like the blind man, I was once blind, but now my marriage can see. Amen. And third, we need presence, not just practice. We do need order in church, right? Uh, A lot of denominations called it liturgy. 
specific event, specific program for the services, whether it's an hour or an hour and a half. I get that. In fact, um, some people can, <laughs> the veterans, they can already guess how many songs we're going to do, what time we're going to end the song, um, when the pastor's going to get up in the pulpit, when he's going to start. They've already got it figured out, and they're, you know, they're setting because they got to get to lunch. Years ago, I was preaching, and I, um, I used to do little handouts and fill in the blanks. And one guy t- tells me later, like uh, about a week later, he says, Man, Rob, uh, I could figure out your blanks before you got to them. Well, bless your little heart. He had already figured it out. And you see, the trouble is, the more we try to figure out what happens is there, there's distance that, that naturally occurs between us and God when we try to figure out how it's going to go and what the next thing is going to be. And what happens is we, we literally get to a point of dying on the inside. Practical example is we say, man, I, I want to read my Bible in a year. Great. I applaud you for wanting to do that. But what happens is, is that we get to a point where we're getting nothing out of it. And that's when we need the presence of God and not just another practice, not another thing that we check off. Paul says in Romans 8.11, it says, It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, He'll do the same thing in you that He did in Jesus, bringing you alive to Himself. When God lives, and here's the, here's the kicker, when He breathes in you, and He does as surely He did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. I am convinced that there are Christians out there that are in a canoe who are just paddling at a, at a rate and they're getting nowhere because they're going against the current of God. And they're trying everything that they can to try to figure it out and, and work and, and do it by works. And they're not, a let, not allowing the presence of God to, to get in to their lives. They're not allowing the breath of God to be in their life. So we need presence instead of practice. Amen. We know, Rob, you just told me three great things, man. You've inspired me, but how? How do you get close to God? Well, I'm glad you asked because the best way to do the how is to see the how working in someone's life. And we can do that in the Bible. It's the story of Jacob. If you know the story of Jacob, his grandfather was Abraham. Abraham had two sons, right? Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac gets married. He marries Rebekah. They have twin boys. The firstborn is Esau. Esau came out of the womb with a full head of hair. He had a beard. I mean, this guy was a man. Okay? He was a hunter. He would be the guy who at his own wedding would wear camo and have a cochon de lait after for his reception. He was a man's man. Jacob, not so much. He was a mama's boy. In fact, he, his name, Jacob, meant deceiver. 
And so he lived a life of deceiving, of manipulation and whatnot. And so eventually his life just falls out of whack and he gets married and his father-in-law switches daughter-in-laws on him. And it's just, it was chaos. So he's on the run. He's on the run from his brother. He's on the run from his family, but he's also on the run from God. And he gets wind that his brother Esau wants to square things up with him. You know, of course, Esau, you never know what kind of weapon he might have. So he just simply said, you know what? Something's got to change. And in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 24 through 30, it says this. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Remember, his life was in chaos. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched or limp as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Basically, at this point, Jacob got to the point of, you know what, I'm done. I can't do it. I've, I've, my whole life, I've been on the run. I've, I've done it. I've manipulated. I'm exhausted. I'm rowing my boat and I'm not going anywhere. And look what he says. He said, will you just bless me? That word blessed right there is not a monetary bless. It's an internal joy. He says, I need something to happen on the inside. I need a, a, a close encounter with God. So the man asks him, he says, uh, What's your name? And Jacob said, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men. And if guess what? You've overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. And the man says, no, you don't need to know my name. Not here because of me. I'm here because of you. Your name is going to get changed to Israel. He replied, well, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face. Here we go again. Face to face, and yet my life was spared. Let me give you three quick benefits from this man's close encounter of another kind. Number one, Jacob found new strength, okay? Jacob got to the point, he says, you know what? I'm just, I'm just simply going to give up. I'm exhausted. And Lord, I'm acknowledging that you know better than I. And he says, you know, Lord, when I leave you out, it just seems like my life is a mess. How many of you can agree or you know what I'm talking about? When I leave you out of things, it just seems like things go out of control. Isaiah says in 40, verse 29 through 31, he says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. You know what the cool thing about an eagle is? Is they just put out their wings and they just simply glide. I mean, the brother's got the moves. He, he tilts one way, stays there for a while, then he tilts the other way. And he's looking strong up in the air. Amen. All the other birds are flapping their wings, just trying to get up off the ground. But there's the eagle. Looking so pretty and so majestic, right? He's on our dollar bill. It's amazing 
a lot of Christians are trying to flap their wings and trying to gain strength. And so I ask you a question. How many of you want to be a flapper or a glider? I want to be a glider, amen? Because they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So I'm looking at some eagles here tonight. The second benefit is a new identity. The man said, Jacob, we, we have to change something, brother. We got to do something about your name. We changed your grandfather's name. And we changed your grandmother's name. Changing names in your family kind of runs in the family. So it's time, brother. So he gives him a new name of Israel. It means having power with God. You see what happens when we have those close, close, close encounters, those face-to-face -face encounters with God. God begins to work on our identity. We're no longer tied to things of our past because a lot of us, that's where we get our identity. That's where we get our self-worth in, right? Is what we did yesterday or what we did the day before. That all means nothing to God, right? What matters to God is right now and what your identity is right now. In fact, in Isaiah, it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the waste land. God begins to do a new thing in you when we get up close and personal with God. We're no longer dubbed the person with the anger problem. We're no longer dubbed the gossiper because God gets within us and begins to change and gives us those new identities. You're no longer the one holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness. You soon realize that the burdens that you've been carrying around are now coming off one by one and you're a little lighter. Amen? And it's not because of the diet. You're no longer behind the mask of shame. The third benefit of a close encounter is this, a new joy. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed them, blessed him there. Some of us have gotten so accustomed to making our outside look good, right? We put on our Sunday best or our Wednesday night best. But on the inside, we're literally falling apart. We're hurting. We're damaged goods or we feel like we're damaged goods. And we feel like there's literally no joy within us. But I'm telling you, when you have those close encounters with God, He begins to give you not only a new strength, and a new identity, but a new joy. He says in Psalm 1611, if you've made known to me the path of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Joy in your presence. Let me give you a practical application of having the joy in your Lord. It's through worship. Can I give you the stages of worship? When a song is played, you begin tapping your toes. 
See, that, that's, that's a big deal for a lot of people, right? And then you get to holding the TV. Then you caught the big fish. Then it's touchdown, right? That's a practical application of what happens when we have a new joy. We forget about if we raise our hands, we don't care about what other people think or what other people see because it's about you and a risen God who has changed your life and has given you new life, new strength, new joy, and a new identity. So there's a challenge for you people that are going to be here Sunday I'm sitting in the back and I'm going to take a picture of every one of you. That's the kind of joy that comes. We, we don't care about what other people think anymore. When you pray for your meal at work and somebody says, oh, what are you doing, holy roly? I'm blessing my God because he has blessed me and he has changed my life forever. You want to join me, brother? Let me tell you, when you acknowledge God in your life, things start coming off of you and you get a little bolder. I, I know, look, I've been there, right? You, you get a little bolder, you get a little bolder. Next thing you know, you, you're praying over your meal. You're praying over people in your home. You're praying for people at work. And the next thing you know, you're going to see the miraculous power of a close encounter happen in you. And they're going to want to know, hey, how can I have it too? My mission tonight was quite simple. And that's just simply to create an environment for you to either start a new close encounter with God or maybe you veterans have kind of gotten away to get back to God. Amen. I want you to close your eyes just for a, a few moments. I want you to picture a house, and you're on the street level, and you're looking at the home. You get out of your vehicle, you walk up onto the sidewalk, and you're now walking up to the steps of the house. Now you're standing up on the porch and you're within knocking distance of the front door. I want to let you know tonight that Jesus is on the inside and I want to leave you with this question. Will you knock on the door to experience a face-to-face -face encounter? I mentioned earlier that the best way to do the how is to see the how. To see it working in someone's life, up close and personal, right? And we had the life of Jacob. Well, we have someone in our audience who exhibits the how. You can see it in her life by what she does. 
The person I'm referring to is a woman who is plain and simple a giver. She gives and she gives no matter the cost. Maybe some of you have received from this person who constantly has a face-to-face encounter with the living God. Because seeing the gifting in her, it is a great example for our church body. She spends a lot of dollars, not only on our staff and our spouses and our children, but on a lot of you. She plans, she puts it on the calendar. And let me tell you, it's a big deal to her because she she is the hands and feet of Jesus. And tonight, we're going to honor her. Not just because it's her birthday tonight, and I'm not going to ask how old she is. But we're simply going to honor her. Because she is a living, breathing example. And Moses said, my God speaks to me like a friend to a friend. You see it in her. And so I want to call up Miss Brenda Miller right now to this stage. Go ahead and come up, Miss Brenda. No, you're coming up here. No. You think you're the gift giver? Well, guess what? We got you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. We're going to do a couple things tonight in, in, in honor of your birthday and because of your heart. We're going to sing happy birthday to you. Take it away, Nathan. trenches. You may not see her, you know, so much, but she's uh, helping with Kinetra's children babysitting. She's uh, making sure that those of us who have birthdays are given uh, a little go- a bag uh, of goodies. But Miss Brenda, we have a bag of goodies for you. There's some, ooh, there's some good stuff in here. I do want to let you know, uh, this is a gift card to Fizo's for you and your family. And it will definitely take care of the bill. We have some goodies in here. We have some flowers. And in honor of you, we're going to celebrate your birthday in the foyer. 
We have a cake. We have some cupcakes for all of you. Vernon, you only get one, brother. <laughs> Dean, make sure he only gets one. Okay. Um, but there's coffee out there. Uh, and so I just want you to, uh, it's, it's time of celebrating her life. And if she has meant something to you, just congratulate her, maybe give her a hug. But we definitely want to pray a blessing on her because we need more ladies like this, amen, around not only our church, but in our city, but also in our world, amen. And so do me a favor and just extend your hand towards her right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, that tonight we get to see, Lord, and a wonderful example, Lord, of a face-to-face encounter, Lord. A woman, Lord, like Anna in the Bible, who never lay, leaves the temple. A woman who gives of all. A woman who gives of her dollars, Lord, to, to fill a little goodie bag. Lord, I pray your blessing upon her, Lord. Many more years, Lord. What an example of a giver, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will just bless her tonight. Bless her in all that she does. And Lord, as we honor her tonight and honor her birthday, but most importantly, Lord, we honor her, Lord, because of what you've done in her life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Well, we got this for you. We'll get it down for you just a little bit. But uh, let me just pray a blessing on you before we leave. Dean, if you could help Miss uh, Brenda down. You know, there's a, I believe there's a little of Miss Brenda in all of us, amen? The more we get face to face with God. Listen, if, if you need help, you say, Rob, I, man, I want to improve my prayer life. Just, just talk to us. We can help you. If you need some help, maybe learning how to read your Bible, I'd love to speak to you. But it's just about getting alone with God and saying, Lord, I speak to me in my car as I'm driving down Ambassador. We can help you. Amen. We want to see God miraculously do things in your life that will explode your faith so that people will say, hey, man, what's up with you? I don't know, brother. I just had an encounter with God. Amen. Father, I pray your blessing on our night. I pray your blessing on your people, Lord, that, Lord, when we go out, Lord, that we, Lord, will move forward in having an encounter with you. Like Miss Brenda, Lord, she, she's got new strength. She has a new identity, Father, and she's got joy. Lord, we desire those things. And Lord, we learn tonight, Lord, that these things are here. They're available. I pray that you help us move forward in having these encounters with you. For it's in your precious and holy name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.